my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 489. Welcome in to my pickup truck, which is hot. It's hot today. Um, I, I'm going to let you in on a secret. You may never see this episode. Like, I, I am on the fence. I'm, I'm leaving tomorrow. I drive six hours to Spokane. Uh, I go to Spokane. I'm house-sitting a farm. That'll be weird and interesting. I'm recording inside the farm. Like, I'm going in the house and recording, like, a normal setup and not in the truck for those episodes. Um, after that, right around 4th of July, I finally will get the canopy for the back of my truck. And I'm like, I'm going to escape the heat. I'm going to go to the Oregon coast where it's cool and breezy and nice and rainy. And uh, if this episode turns out horrible, like if it's too hot in the truck and I'm sweaty and it doesn't sound good or something, I don't know. I'll just re-record it. I have no problem doing that, talking for... I waste... I, I already did all the work to prepare the show. So if I record for an hour and it sucks, I'll just redo it. And that is very freeing. I get to just have fun today. Uh, I want to tell you, to start the show, I saw Buzz Lightyear. Or I think it's called Lightyear, actually, the new Pixar movie. Outstanding movie. Really, really liked Lightyear. What I didn't like was I saw Jurassic World a couple days ago. Horrible. Horrible movie. Jurassic World is terrible. Don't see it. Um, it I think I, I forgot that movies can be terrible. I saw Top Gun Maverick. It was so good. I was so excited. I like forgot for a little bit that, yeah, sometimes... A nostalgia grab isn't actually good, and uh, Jurassic World, whatever it's called, Dominion or some crap, horrible, terrible writing, terrible, terrible writing. I do not recommend you see that. I recommend you go watch the Buzz Lightyear movie. I'm going to start today with a question from Patreon, because I've got a lot to say. It's kind of the meat and potatoes of the show, and I think it's honestly a really fun topic to talk about. Now, to do that, though, I need to first tell you about Patreon. You go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. Patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. Oh, we lost the... Uh, I'm going to take this down. I've been trying to make this work, and it just doesn't uh, doesn't stay up. It's very disappointing. I've got this, like, shade, and I'm... This, this one in particular, this one stays up. This one doesn't. It's very sad. A little bit frustrating, but that's life. That's recording in a pickup truck. Stuff goes wrong all the time. Someday, I got a plan for this. You'll see it. Eh, but we're working on it. The whole show is a work in progress right now. Again, I have never recorded out of a pickup truck before the last couple weeks, and it's been a fun challenge. It's like a puzzle every episode. Um, back to Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. You give, it's a dollar a month. That's $12 a year. You can give more if you want to. Please do. It literally does help pay my bills. But a dollar a month gets you access to right into Strong Opinion Sports. You submit questions on Patreon. I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. My only guarantee is I look at every single submission with my eyeballs. Also, by the way, on top of getting access to right into Strong Opinion Sports, this podcast. You also get to write into my other podcast, Zach Schaumler Talking. We're 21 episodes in. It's going pretty well. Having a lot of fun there. Uh, also, on top of that, you get Zach Schaumler Talking early. It comes out about a week early on Patreon. So you get three big perks for a dollar a month. 
and it really helps your favorite content creator. Maybe I'm your fifth favorite content creator. It helps a guy you may or may not like continue to live his life and, and make content, and uh, I appreciate it. Um, so, with that said, I, I gave you the Patreon spiel. You know Patreon's out there. Um, ENK wrote in on Patreon and said this, if my phone will ever unlock. I got, like, the face thing. That, what do you call it when uh, your phone is supposed to, like recognize your face facial recognition there you go it never works like i i must have set it up horribly i look at my phone it doesn't open and i'm like and then i gotta put in my code i'm like why did i why did i do this hold on my thing is dying that's amazing love it we got real close the camera almost died um i want people to understand I am having the time of my life um, recording the show to my truck. I think people either feel bad for me or think I'm like spiraling out of control. I just wanted to change. I wanted to do something different. Uh, and the show is vastly different now than it was like a couple weeks ago. Um, I think in better ways. I think a little more chaotic, a little more fun is the content I want to make. Uh, I- I'm learning how to not have my camera almost die in the middle of an episode. I forgot to plug it in. I got a a battery here that can power your whole apartment for like three days. And (laughs) I didn't plug it into my camera. So uh, kind of important to do that. Anyway, here we are. I I really, again, I want to say this before I read ENK's question. For anyone worried about me, my life's good. And I think my life was actually worse in Hawaii. I'm doing very well with my family. Uh, It's been awesome. And I've said before, like, not everyone's going to be into this new show. It's basically Strong Opinion Sports 2.0. On the road, doing stuff. I've got an interview with someone from the Portland Pickles coming up. Um, I'm just enjoying my life, and I'm trying to enjoy making content. You know, I I feel like the studio setup in Hawaii, and even before that, it got stuffy and formulaic, and I wanted a new challenge, and... Sometimes the challenge is setting up. Sometimes it's writing. Sometimes it's the angle. I don't know, but I'm, I'm having more fun than ever before making content. And to me, that's enough. I don't, I do it for me. I, I, and that's, uh, I, I'll say that over and over again. I'm probably not going to say that every episode from here on out, but, um, it's only the second episode I've ever recorded of this show in the truck. So I can't clarify enough. I'm good. I'm happy, and I'm enjoying this weird process of figuring out how to do a show this way. Okay, ENK wrote in. He said this. Hey, facial recognition finally worked. ENK says, hey, Zach. Cam Newton recently had an interview on his time in the NFL last year. Did you watch or listen to it? And if so, what were your thoughts? In my opinion, Cam came off as someone who's living in denial about where his body is at this point in his career. He's making a lot of excuses and not taking responsibility for his poor play. But I was curious what you think. Uh, You didn't actually, ENK, say what interview you were referring to. I assumed you meant the hour-long interview he did with the Pivot podcast that is hosted by Fred Taylor, Ryan Clark, and Channing Crowder. It's the most recent big interview he did. He's done a couple other ones this offseason. I got to say first, before I, I jump into Cam Newton, um, this was a very well-conducted interview. I, hey, a lot of respect to the guys at Pivot. They are putting 
uh, they're doing justice to the people they interview and giving not only interesting stories and good insight, but they're also making people look good. And I, I think that's cool when you can tell someone's story, not ruin their life, and talk about hard stuff and challenge them. That's incredible. And I, I love that they kindly challenged Cam Newton. It was good to challenge him, but I'm glad they were respectful. And hey, the Pivot Podcast, well done to those guys. Uh, I think Pivot, by the way, is a reference to how guys pivot or transition into whatever's next after sports. Uh, it's not always the case. Like they had Mike Tomlin on the other day. Not really sure what his pivot moment is, but um, it's a great platform for guys to come on and reflect and share lessons they've learned. And I think the guys doing it, uh, you know, Channing Crowder, Ryan Clark, Fred Taylor, they are, uh, I had to make sure I got Channing Crowder's last name right. Uh, they're former athletes. And so if you're a former athlete, that's who I would want to talk to. People who have been in your shoes and understand it and uh, pivot. Great show. Ryan Clark, by the way, he's a star. I love that guy. I think a former Pittsburgh Steeler. Ryan Clark is a man. I am a huge fan of him. Uh, let's talk about Cam Newton before we get into the interview, though. He's hitting a cigar the entire time during this interview. And he sounds like a retired guy who's made his money and is done. He's like, eh. He's like, he's got a great line early on. He says, no matter what you call me, you can't call me broke. And by the way, I feel like I need to say this early on. So people, I don't want people to think I hate Cam Newton because I do not at all. Cam's prime years were a beautiful moment in the history of football. From his Auburn national title to, there's, by the way, there's a video of Cam Newton. It's posted, I watched it this morning, 11 years ago. I rewatched it. Cam Newton highlights from the 2010-11 season. If you go to YouTube and you type in Cam Newton, all the above, you'll find it. It's iconic. And Auburn, his college career, winning the NFL MVP in 2015, going to a Super Bowl. The Cam show was so much fun. And him as a quarterback, who he is as a person, really meant a lot to the people I grew up with. And I, I just like, I love Cam, dude. I, I, I don't know. I, I, we'll talk more about it, but I want, I want to start there uh, that I love Cam. I get the sense that Cam is trying really hard to be a good dude, and he wants to learn from the experiences he's had. And I also think when it comes to Cam Newton, it's a bit frustrating that people, the media in general will always skew negative. A negative story about a star person is always going to get more views than a story about some guy donating to charity or something. Uh, but in the history of Cam Newton, his negative moments have gone super viral. And you don't see enough about all the great stuff he does in his community or... Um, like he talked about his seven-on-seven seven stuff he does and the quarterbacks he's trained. And you just don't see that stuff go viral. That's literally something Cam said. And he's he's totally right. I, I support him there. Like, it is frustrating. We pick and choose. And often the stuff we choose is the negative about Cam. You never seem to see enough about the good stuff he does. Now, here is the main focus of the first, like, half of the interview. Cam says many, many times, there are not... 32 guys better than me. And what that means is he's basically saying, I should be a starting NFL quarterback. And his focus is on who is the bottom worst, you know, 32 out of 32 quarterback. Who's 
the bottom 32. Worst NFL starter. Who are the bottom five NFL quarterbacks? And my first thought was like, well, okay, probably the Giants with Daniel Jones. Miami with Tua. I love Tua. I love him as a person. I hope he does well. But right now, he's got a lot to prove. Probably Seattle with Drew Locke. Those are like the worst three quarterbacks I can think of off the top of my head. Those are places Cam could go play. Does Cam want to be a Tyrod Taylor or Josh Johnson or Chase Daniel level role? I don't know. I would love to see Cam in New Orleans with Michael Thomas and Chris Olave and Alvin Kamara, a good offensive line, a good defense. That would be fun. I think Jameis is the guy right now, but if Jameis gets hurt or plays badly, I want to see Cam there ready and waiting to play. Although I I will also say, um, I think if Cam Newton had a lot of good football left, we would have seen it. I very much respect Bill Belichick, the Patriots head coach, and he is a thrifty dude, man. He loves finding players that other people don't value and getting the most out of them and turning them into star players. Wes Welker left Miami, went to New England, star. Uh, He got the best years of Randy Moss at the end of his career. When people thought Randy Moss was washed up, he went to New England, was outstanding. Bill Belichick tried with Cam and couldn't find anything really worth keeping and moved on to Mac Jones. So I don't know, man. Is there really much left good that Cam can do as an NFL starter? I don't know. The pivot guys really challenged him. They said, you know, the bottom five guys in the NFL are 10 years younger than you, Cam. They're younger and they're trying to prove themselves. And the market didn't believe that Cam was in the top 32. The NFL told us that is what they said. Like, the, if you were a top 32 quarterback, you'd probably be in the league. I don't know if that's entirely true. I think he might be better than some of the guys in the bottom five. But also his future is limited. Cam Newton is 33 years old at the end of his career. Would you rather have him or 24-year-old Tua who might get better as time goes on. Tua isn't great now, but he could get better, where Cam, 10 years from now, isn't going to be playing. Tua could be still playing in 10 years. And, you know, he said New England was a messed up situation, Cam did, because he said, I was still learning the system six to eight weeks in, and it was brain overload. And I knew the playbook, but not well enough, where I was still thinking about things pre-snap. I wasn't reacting, I was thinking, and... I don't know that I'd actually admit that. <laughs> okay. You know, I didn't know the playbook very well. I'm like, eh, is that that great to say? I don't know. He said Carolina was messed up. They signed me on Thursday. I played on Sunday. Ten days later, I was a starting quarterback. And then Cam also said I need a good supporting cast, which makes sense. And he said something I love. He said the stats don't properly show how good I am. It made me want to do a Cam Newton film analysis. I'm like, well, what does the film say about Cam? I don't know. I think it'd be interesting. I think it'd be, I would get views and it'd be fun to make. But here's the biggest problem with Cam Newton. I think Cam, his problem is he wants to be the man. He wants an NFL team to commit to him and say, you're our day one starting quarterback. We're paying you to be that. And he's too old. It's not going to happen. No NFL team is going to say, we're committed, you're our starting quarterback. Like, his best bet is to go to a good team, learn the system, and hope that the starting quarterback gets hurt. 
think about Cam on a roster like New Orleans, where Jameis doesn't play well or he gets hurt. Cam can step up. He's had time to learn the playbook. He's ready, and he, he would dominate. I bet he'd do well. I think any quarterback who plays with New Orleans roster this year has a good shot to do well. Or Dallas. If Dak Prescott got hurt, he'd have a lot of fun playing in Dallas. Or Miami's interesting. If Tua was not playing well or got hurt, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, that running game, a good defense with Cam Newton, that's interesting. I would pay to see that. But Cam doesn't want to be patient is, is the problem, honestly. And I don't think he wants to do all that work of being a backup, being Josh Johnson or Tyrod Taylor. Like, I think Daniel Jones is going to start for a while in New York. When he inevitably plays bad or gets hurt, Tyrod Taylor is going to become the starting quarterback in New York. He put his ego aside and said, I'll wait till I get my opportunity. I'll be ready. I don't, I don't know that Cam wants that. That's okay, by the way. But he sounds like a rich and retired guy. And unless I'm starting, it's not worth my time. It's, the, it's what I hear when he talks. And it's clearly not all just about playing football. Why not go to Canada? Why not join the XFL? Cam in the XFL would be incredible. He'd be the biggest star they've ever had. You could probably pay him more than other quarterbacks because he'd be a big draw. I would love to watch Cam Newton play in the XFL next spring. But I don't think he wants to be a backup. I, think he, I don't think he wants to do anything other than be an NFL starting quarterback. And that's a red flag right there. Like, oh, you like it, but you don't, you don't love it enough to want to earn it. It's kind of how it comes across. Um, and one thing I, I love about Cam, probably my favorite, honestly, my favorite thing about Cam Newton by far, is that he refuses to conform. He's unique. He's totally himself. I respect the hell out of that. And unfortunately, that's not good for a corporate setting. Look at me, right? I have long hair. In real life, I cuss too much. I dress too casual. The same way I'm not good for a corporate setting because I'm individualistic and I don't really care about following the rules, I think Cam is the same way. And because he's not a lead anymore, people don't want to put up with his personality, which makes sense. I don't know that that's I think that sucks but that's honest like that that's true um so ENK wrote in your your question ENK was is Cam living in denial no he's not look to be the Cam Newton Superman to be who he is you have to have supreme self-confidence Cam still believes in himself and I don't blame him for that at all I can't hate on a guy for believing in himself and wishing things had gone differently. Isn't that all of us? Um, now, Cam also said a couple other things I like, things that I think are worth highlighting. The, the second half of the interview, he talked about the importance of having people around him that challenge him and tell him no. He said a lot of young guys have yes men, and they, don't, they never have people that are like, hey, maybe don't drive home tonight. Maybe don't do this. Maybe don't do that. I think that's a great lesson for any young athlete especially a young athlete with money, the people you surround yourself with really matter. And Cam said even in high school, he had people that helped him focus and wouldn't let him slip up. And it almost sounded like a goodwill hunting type thing where they're like, Cam, you're the best of us. Like, you got a future that we don't, you can't do the stuff we're doing. That's pretty dang cool. I love to hear that. And if Cam can keep sharing that message, like put yourself around the right people and 
doing this stuff. He's, I mean, he's influenced a lot of young quarterbacks. He, he listed off a whole list of guys that he has trained and worked with when they were growing up in Atlanta, in Georgia. I don't know, man. Cam said he's excited for the next part of his life. I'm excited too. He said everything I've done, I've done at a high level. And uh, I, I just want to say good for Cam. I'm rooting for him in life. I I don't think he's in denial. I, I think he just... Um, I think he's confident in himself. And I think he... What he doesn't realize is that he doesn't want to do the work. And maybe he does know this. Maybe, But it, it came across like a guy who isn't quite aware of what he really wants. Which he wants an NFL team to say, you're our starting quarterback week one. Otherwise, it's not worth his time. He's made his money and he's good. And that's the thing that people were hearing. I don't think they heard a guy in denial. I don't think they heard a guy who is like, look, if it's not that specific role... I'm out. And uh, I don't know. I like Cam a lot. Shout out to Pivot. It was a great listen. Great podcast. Ryan Clark is the man. I love him. I love his co-host too. I think he's actually just one of three. I don't think he's like the standalone. But to me, Ryan Clark is the guy I really love listening to. Um, the little, I mean, I haven't watched him a lot. I don't watch. I don't effing watch ESPN. But the times I've seen him, I'm like, this guy's really sharp and really good. And I'll tell you what, I watched a lot of that uh, Mike Tomlin interview. I got sucked in. He's awesome. He asked great questions. Ryan Clark is the man. Uh, and it's a great dynamic. So good for him. Good for Cam. And uh, ENK, I hope I answered your question. All right, let's talk about some news. We have like seven stories I want to go through real quick. Number one is this defensive tackle, Larry Ogunjobi, just signed a one-year deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Honestly, it's a good signing for them. I think it fills a need. Good for the Steelers. Good for them. Here's a fun fact, though. Larry Ogunjobi has now played for three of the four teams in the AFC North. Cleveland, Cincinnati, and now Pittsburgh. The only team left that he hasn't played for in this division is Baltimore. That's interesting to me. Pittsburgh, by the way, has got some good players on defense. TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, Miles Jack, a couple other notable people that I'm excited about. There's a high likelihood that Pittsburgh is going to have a rookie starting quarterback. And I, I think if their defense can play well, if Kenny Pickett or Trubisky can play decent, this team could win a lot. But this defense is what I'm really excited to watch in Pittsburgh. And I think adding Larry Ogunjobi is a very quiet, underrated move. He failed a physical, couldn't go to Chicago. He signed a, He had a deal with Chicago that fell through because he failed his physical but last year for Cincinnati, and by the way, Larry Ogunjobi's only 28 years old. Like, he's got, I think, a couple of years left of football in him, maybe at a high level. He had more sacks last year than ever in his entire career. He had seven sacks during the regular season on a year that Cincinnati went to a Super Bowl. He had 12 tackles for loss. I'm excited for this move, and uh, the, the fun note is that he's played for almost every team in the AFC North. Number two, Gronk has retired again. NFL tight end Rob Gronkowski announced his retirement. He retired once before, after the 2018 season. He took all of 2019 off. That was Tom Brady's final year in New England. He did it without Gronk. Then when Brady went to Tampa in 2020, Gronk came out of retirement to join Tom Brady. And a lot of people are asking questions like, is he going to stay gone? Did he retire for good? 
I think so. I think you know Gronk is 33 years old. He's made tons of money both on and off the field. His body's beat up. I, I think he's done playing, but we'll find out. Um, Gronk is a legend. And if, by the way, the landscaper drove by and was like, you're in our spot. They clearly like wanted to park and were like, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> I'm not moving. I'm recording a podcast. Gronk is a legend. And if this is it for his career, these are the career numbers for Rob Gronkowski. He's got 621 catches, 9,286 yards, and 92 touchdown catches. Um, he's got the third most touchdown catches of any tight end ever. Tony Gonzalez has 111. Antonio Gates has 116. It's interesting looking at the all-time tight end receiving records because Gronk doesn't actually rank that high among NFL tight ends. Like, when it comes to all-time numbers, he's, like, in the conversation, but he's not the top. For example, he's fifth all-time in yards. He's not at all near the top of the NFL. But here's what really stands out when you look at Gronkowski's numbers from his career. He played 143 games. Other guys played way more. Gronk had 143 Tony Gonzalez played 270. Jason Witten, 271 games. Antonio Gates, 236. Shannon Sharp, 188. That's still over 40 more than Rob Gronkowski played in his career. What Gronk did in 130, 143 games, excuse me, 143 games, what Gronk did is so impressive. And to me, it's a surefire Hall of Fame career, and uh, I'm happy for the guy. Okay. Let's talk about Kyle Farnsworth. He's a former MLB pitcher. Kyle Farnsworth played 16 years with a lot of different teams. Uh, the Chicago Cubs, Tampa, the Yankees, the Royals, Atlanta, the Tigers, the Mets, the Pirates, Houston. He's kind of a solid middle-of-the-road pitcher. Not amazing, but fine. And he retired in 2014 after 16 years in the MLB and now apparently he's a bodybuilder. Here's the story. I'm going to put up a picture for the YouTube audience so you guys can see it. If you're listening on podcast platforms, look up Kyle Farnsworth. Probably just probably just his name. You'll see it, but Kyle Farnsworth bodybuilding if you want to, to be like be really sure. He's clearly he's doing some kind of bodybuilding um, competition. It is so cool to see. Uh, and I think it, guys, when you retire, you got to stay busy. A lot of people don't have a plan. They don't know what to do. This apparently is what Kyle Farnsworth is doing in his retirement. I love it. I'm happy for him. Well done, Kyle Farnsworth. Okay, I'm going to open the door. It's, it's how hot do you think it is today here in, in Vancouver, Washington, where I am? Oh, it feels so good with the window open. Yes. Oh, it's only 75. Are you kidding me? It's horribly hot today. It's the first day in weeks that it's not been raining, and I'm not used to it. Like, I, I got here and I was cold. Although I am in a, a car in direct sunlight, so I probably could do better and park in the shade. But here we are doing the best we can. I can always move over there. There's like a squirrel. I'm looking at a squirrel. And it's shady. So maybe next time I'll park in the shade. But for now, here we are. Let's talk about Deshaun Watson. How about that? Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson has had 25 lawsuits filed against him by women that are accusing him of sexual assault and inappropriate sexual behavior while getting massages. 
look at the sheer, if you ever want to Google the sheer amount of massage, massage therapists Deshaun Watson had in like a couple year span, you're like, who needs that many? I don't understand. Uh, like I've gotten my hair cut by like one person because you find one person you like and you go to that person over and over again because they're good at what they do and you build rapport. That's a weird number. You can look that up on you if you want on your own. Uh, Apparently, 25 is a number I didn't know. I, I learned this from uh, Sarah Barshop, an ESPN writer. I didn't know about the 25th. Apparently, it got dropped because she didn't want to share her name publicly. So now, Deshaun Watson is dealing with 24 lawsuits. And it was just announced that all of, all except for four of them, 20 of the 24 lawsuits have been settled. 20 of the 24 women basically took hush money signed an NDA and agreed to never, ever speak about what happened. And you may know this if you have followed at all the Deshaun Watson stuff. Deshaun Watson refused to settle. He talked about clearing his name in court. I am not going to settle. Is stuff he actually said. So this is a big change in his behavior and his approach to this whole situation. Suddenly, he took a left turn and said, we'll settle these now. What happened? And why is this information out there, by the way? Um, Part of it, I think, is sending a message. Hey, we will pay to make this go away. Name your price. We got you. To me, it makes him seem more guilty. But it's very interesting. What has changed recently? Maybe he just wants to be done so he can get on with his life. Uh, He wants to move forward and focus on football. Maybe his whole, you know, idea to save his reputation is like, well, my reputation's already been ruined, so let's just settle these and move on. I don't know. I'm not sure. It's interesting stuff for sure. Um, and I, I've, I've tried to follow this really carefully and wait until we get some kind of resolution. This is partially a resolution. Twenty of the twenty-four have settled and are now not a problem for Deshaun Watson anymore. So you got four left. One woman, Ashley Solis, remains, and she is the the most vocal of, of the women accusing Deshaun Watson. She's the first one who spoke out publicly. She's led the charge. Other women followed her and made, you know, they, they came out and filed lawsuits after she did. She did not settle. Ashley Solis. She's not backing down. It's very interesting to me. She wants this dealt with in court. If I were in her shoes, I would probably be tempted to take the money, life-changing money. But Ashley Solis wants this. She wants a public ruling. Like, she wants this out there. And it could cost her financially. Like, a settlement is guaranteed money. It's a guaranteed payout. But she wants things to happen in court. And from Deshaun Watson's perspective, that's a person you got to be terrified of. Who doesn't want the money. This is personal. This is about making a statement, and she wants to win in court. That's the one to keep your eye on here. Ashley Solis. What happens with her? If she settles, then wow, that'd be massive. But what it seems like is she's the one who's like driving. Like, no, no. I don't want the money. I want this. This is this is personal. I got an axe to grind here. This guy really messed up my life, and I am going to make sure. I win in court. I, I don't know. I I would be so tempted to take the money. If I got life-changing money, 
I don't know. That's a hard one, but keep your eye on what Ashley Solis does if you're interested in the Deshaun Watson stuff. Okay, here's something I should acknowledge. Um, how far are we into recording? We're 34 minutes in. I, I kind of also want to check that it's still recording. Hey, you want to hear a clap? Yeah! Uh, I should acknowledge this. I didn't watch the NBA Finals very much at all. I watched Game 5. I watched the Warriors win Game 5. And, I mean, I've been super busy. My brother's graduation, my mom's wedding. But I have to acknowledge this. The Golden State Warriors won another NBA title. They beat the Boston Celtics in six games. This is now Steph Curry's fourth NBA title. He's the lead, uh, the, the, the person at the top of this NBA franchise. Their core now of Draymond Green, Clay T- uh, Thompson, and Steph Curry, they've done it again. They also, you got to say this, they have Andrew Wiggins, who is uh, a stud. He had 26 points in game five. I watched it happen. I was like, wow. Here's the question, though, as the Warriors win their fourth title together. Will this group of players win another title? Andrew Wiggins is only 27. A lot of good years left ahead of him. Draymond Green is 32. Steph is 34. Clay is 32. Clay's been hurt a lot. They are pushing the boundaries of their career, I think. And how, how much longer can they play at a really, really high level together? It's also worth noting that Michael Jordan won six NBA titles. Kobe won five. Steph Curry is now alongside LeBron James with uh, having won four. So it's worth acknowledging, will the, will the Warriors win another title? That's a question you had to ask. Uh, I also wonder if people were annoyed or a little bit tired of the Warriors, kind of the same way that people were tired and annoyed of Tom Brady with the Patriots. Here's a, a really fun question to leave you with. Can Steph Curry win another title? Will he? What if he gets to five? What if Steph Curry won six NBA titles and matched Michael Jordan? What if he got seven? He's a shooter. Steph could theoretically play for a long time and just play low contact, get a lot of shots off. I don't know. I'm really really fascinated. I don't know how much more career Steph has left. But keep your eye on that. I'm, I'm really fascinated by, like, Ray Allen played a long time. He just kept shooting and shooting and shooting. You, that kind of play style, more finesse, less physical. Russell Westbrook wasn't ever going to last very long. You know, he, he, he's worn down. His style of play doesn't last as long. Steph Curry can. Not only am I curious how long will Steph play, can he ever get another title? And then if he can, how many more could he get? And and what happens to his legacy if he wins three more? If he wins more titles than Michael Jordan, and by the way, Steph, he changed basketball. Like the, the, the three-point shot is just a, it's a different level now because of Steph. I don't know. It's just a fun thing to think about, a hypothetical. What if Steph won five, six, or seven NBA titles? What would that do to his legacy and the respect that people treat him with? Time for an absurd story. Let's talk about John Wall. John Wall, NBA player, the Houston Rockets guard. News broke that John Wall has opted in to his $47.4 million player option for next year. Of course he did. Why wouldn't he? I I saw this report like it's news. It's like, why are you surprised you're treating it like it's weird or news at all? 
that John Wall said, yeah, I'll take $47.4 million. The amount of money that John Wall has made during his NBA career is absurd. In 2019, he began a four-year, $171.1 million extension. That year, John Wall, during the 2019-2020 season, did not play. He got hurt. So that year, he made $38.2 million to not play basketball. How about the next year? In the 2020-2021 season, he got traded to Houston. He only played 40 games. He made $41.2 million. And this past year is the most interesting one to me. He had this agreement with Houston, his, his team. They had a mutual understanding. He would not play until they could trade him away to a better team. So he got paid. John Wall got paid $44.3 million to not play basketball. They agreed, you just work out and stay in shape so that when we trade you away, you're ready to play. No one traded for him. No one wanted him. No one wanted that contract. So three years into a max contract, John Wall has played 40 games of basketball. I'm not sure whether I'm disgusted or amazed. This next year, he's going to make $47.4 million. Are you kidding me? I get good for him, right? That's incredible. John Wall found out how to win at life. Hey, young men, growing up, football or basketball? Play basketball. If you can, if you're 6'6", six, six, don't play receiver. Play basketball. I mean, I'm, you, the amount of money you can make at basketball is unbelievable. John Wall is 32 in September. He's made generational wealth and didn't really have to play while he did it. My only question is how long is John Wall going to keep playing? I, I, could he just retire when his contract is up? Like, maybe. That wouldn't shock me. But does John Wall feel like he has something to prove is an interesting question. He's made his money. He could sign a small contract in two years and go to a winning team. And I'd like to see that. He's been hurt a lot. I want to see John Wall actually play basketball. What does that look like? What happens there? Could John Wall go to a a team like... Could John Wall go to the Warriors after next year? He's like, I'm old, but I'll, I'll sign a, a small minimum you know, veteran contract and... I've made my money now. I want to win a title. Like I, That would be a cool ending to the John Wall career. That's a lot better than just getting a $47.4 million cash out and then retiring. I, I want to see John Wall play basketball, I guess, is my, my whole thing. I want to see him do something with his career. And three years, 40 games, that amount of money is absurd to me. And uh, I don't know. I want a different ending to the John Wall story. Here's a not fun story. On June 4th in Branchburg, New Jersey at a basketball tournament, a 40-year-old man, Jerry Otero, a baseball coach, coaching for a Staten Island baseball travel team. By the way, it's 13-year-old kids. It's 13U. It's 13 and under. So this is a baseball game for 13-year-olds. At this baseball game, a children's game, Jerry Otero, a coach, attacked a 72-year-old umpire and broke the umpire's jaw. 
You can't do that. <laughs> like, you can't do that at all. It, it's not only a terrible example for kids. It's wildly inappropriate. It's literally a children's baseball game. It's not that serious. And I, I read this story. I think back to my career. I mean, look, I played baseball growing up. Umpires can be power-hungry ground trolls. Like, they, they can suck a lot sometimes. But you can never physically assault someone at a Little League baseball game. That's ridiculous and embarrassing. And I just, the, the culture around youth sports and the way parents act at youth sports is so frustrating and disappointing and awful. And uh, I read that story and went, dang, that sucks. I don't like that at all. Okay, we're going to answer three more questions from Patreon. Remember, you can send in your questions on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler. Patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler. Give a dollar a month. Gosh, my arms. Look, my arms are so sweaty. I don't know what to do. Like, it's the hottest it's ever been recording the truck. And we're, we're five episodes in. I'm ready to go to the Oregon Coast. Doing my best. Question number one today is from Manny. We're going to talk about college football here. Manny says... I'm sure you've discussed this before, but what are your thoughts on the college football playoff and how by the end of the year during bowl games, unless you're in the college football playoff, it doesn't really matter what you do, which leads the players opting out. Do you think they should have expanded it and, or what would you do to quote, fix it? If you think it needs fixing, love the podcast, be blessed, Manny. How would I fix college football? That's, that's a, that's a big question. Um, I hate bowl games. I don't watch them. I watch the Rose Bowl and then the playoff games. And that's literally it every year. And then maybe like whatever, if there's a really good matchup in the Sugar Bowl or something like that. I I love SEC football. Um, I would expand the college football playoff to eight teams without a shadow of a doubt. I I think 12 would be interesting too. But let's get all the Power 5 conferences in plus three deserving teams uh, the more meaningful games, the better, though. Like, I remember, was it Georgia-Texas a couple years ago where Georgia had, like, none of their players were playing. They didn't care. They're not excited about the game. They're going to the NFL. That sucks. I don't like that. So, I, yeah, I would expand the playoff in a heartbeat. This is a guy with a great name, an incredible, an incredible name on Patreon. And, by the way, you have my permission or maybe my blessing or my encouragement you can have creative, silly, fun names on Patreon. I am all for that. So here's the name. Biggest Dickus writes in and says, Ahoy, Zach. We're seeing a massive shift in co- uh, collegiate athletics. The NCAA can't afford the rules. Can it, the NCAA can't enforce the rules they have made. There are some, Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher, Mike Leach, Lane Kiffin, pretty much all the athletic directors and coaches who have suggested that it's time to rewrite the rule books and create better governance so that the playing field is level. So my question is a two-parter. Who do you think should be in charge of legislating college football? And if you became the overlord of college football, how would you change it? As an aside, for a bold prediction, both Malcolm Rodriguez and Josh Pascal will have better careers in the NFL than Aiden Hutchinson. First of all, let's start there. Uh, Malcolm Rodriguez is a rookie linebacker, I think the 188th pick for the Lions. Josh Pascal is a rookie for the Lions, also um, undrafted rookie free agent. That feels crazy. Like, what are you talking about? Aiden Hutchinson, the number two overall pick, is not going to be worse than these guys. I, yeah, we'll see, I guess. But I don't know where you're coming from, BD. That's weird to me. Um, 
who should run college football? There should be a president like Roger Goodell. I mean, I think, or, or you have, I don't know why we had the NCAA, honestly, it's it, for, at least for football. I think you just get all the athletic directors to assign a commissioner. I think they have, a, I think every conference has a commissioner and the power five commissioners get together, the five of them and make all the rules. I don't know why you need the NCAA to help with the governance at all. Um, Here's what I would do if I was the overload of college football. First of all, I'll say this. I don't know what I would change. I I think this is great. Like, I like athletes. I, I want athletes getting paid. I don't really care how it affects the colleges or recruiting. Um, recruiting was imbalanced and unfair before. It's still unbalanced and unfair. It's just different. It's differently unbalanced. It's differently unfair. And people like Nick Saban haven't figured out yet how to use the system to their advantage best yet. <laughs> That's my honest opinion. I don't care how it affects colleges. I don't. Uh, I want players to be paid and paid well. I hate when you see a guy. Johnny Manziel is a great example. Johnny Manziel had a terrible NFL career. He had an incredible college football career. And the money that Johnny Manziel made for college football, for Texas A&M, for all that, he should never have to work again. He should be set for life, and he's not. Because he wasn't allowed to capitalize on his name, image, and likeness at the time when he was at his peak of popularity. That's a tragic story. That makes me sad. People like Johnny Manziel, people like... There are a lot of people that are a college star that don't work in the NFL and college is the biggest moment of your life to make money and you don't get the opportunity to do that. I'm bitter about that. I'm angry about that. And I will always think that it's right that college athletes get paid and, and that's my number one priority. Okay, Zach with an H writes in. Zach says, Hey Zach, which division from each conference do you think will be best? Personally, I think the AFC and NFC West have good odds. Dude, I, I love you, Zach. I, I wish your name was with a C. It's kind of a boring question, to be honest. I'm going to answer it. But um, for sure, in the AFC, the AFC West is the best division in that conference. Great teams, great quarterbacks, Mahomes, Wilson, Derek Carr, Justin Herbert. I don't even know who the best quarterback in that division is. Maybe Herbert. Like it, It's pretty wild how good that division is. They're the best team, the best division in the West, or in the AFC, excuse me. Um, in the NFC, probably it's also the West, because in the North, you got the Lions and Bears. How good are... You know, Green Bay's got Aaron Rodgers. How good are they elsewhere? It's not the South. You got Carolina and Atlanta pulling them down. The NFC East is very competitive with each other, but they're not like three juggernauts. They're three teams that are going to beat up on each other a lot. Washington, Philly, and Dallas. Um... So the NFC West is the best conference or best division in the West. Uh, sorry, I can't, even, I can't even say this right. In They're the best division in the NFC conference, the NFC West, with Arizona and Kyler Murray. The Rams are really good. Seattle is not very good at all, but the 49ers and Trey Lance are exciting. So the West in, in both conferences, the AFC and the NFC, are the best division in each conference. That answers your question, Zach. There you go. Bing, bang, boom. Okay, before we get on to Formula One to end the show, let me check my my news source. I want to be clear. I, I don't want to miss anything. And in case there's breaking news, I don't want to not see it. Um, 
Two people died in the football world today. Um, I don't want to... I've talked a lot about death recently. Um, Jalen Ferguson passed away today. He was 26 years old. That's horrible and way too early. Um, Former Colts and Ravens defensive tackle, Tony Siragusa, uh, has passed away. He was 55 years old. That's just sad. I don't know. That's it, though. There's not a lot of other news. It's just two really sad stories about people dying, which I... I don't like that at all. I don't really want to talk about that at all. So um, that's the show if you like football and you like American sports. If you're here for Formula One, stick around. Let's jump in. If not, have a great day. Love you. Appreciate you. On Sunday, we had the Canadian Grand Prix. And it was honestly a really fun and exciting race. I loved it. Max Verstappen won. Carlos Sainz got second and fastest lap for Ferrari. Lewis Hamilton got on the podium and finished third. George Russell was fourth. Charles Leclerc was fifth. Sixth was Esteban Ocon with Alpine. And seventh was Fernando Alonso, also with Alpine. Um, a few big things happened. First of all, early on during lap eight of the race, Red Bull driver Sergio Perez lost power. He was stuck in gear. Seemed like a transmission problem. It was, in fact, gearbox failure. So he had to retire, did not finish the race. No points for Sergio Perez. Big loss for Red Bull. Bam, right off the bat. One of the best best parts of this race was watching Ferrari driver Charles Leclerc move up from P19, starting on the back of the grid, you know, P19 and finishing in fifth. That was fun, entertaining, and exciting the entire way. Charles Leclerc qualified badly, plus he had a penalty for getting a new power unit after Baku. It was his third time. That's more than, it's one more time than allowed. Uh, Ferrari leaned into it and said, why not start on, on the back row and just take another penalty? So they also added uh, new components to the power unit. I think all in all, it was a solid weekend for Ferrari. Uh, Carlos Sainz got second. Sergio Perez had to retire, so they gained ground on Red Bull. Leclerc went from P19 to P5. Like, for Ferrari, that's a pretty good weekend, I think, actually. Um, now... There was a safety car near the end of the race, and the result was that with 15 laps to go, we got a race restart, and it brought the pack together, created tension. And I was thinking, like, maybe Carlos Sainz in second can challenge Max Verstappen for the win. He couldn't, but I appreciated the moment. And I genuinely wasn't sure who was going to win. And then on top of all of that, Lewis Hamilton finally had a great drive. He got onto the podium. He finished ahead of his teammate George Russell, so... Uh, you know, Lewis kind of struck back this week. Um, I I thought that the, the race was fun. There was tension. I think one of the my favorite parts of the race was when uh, it's funny listening to the radio. Fernando Alonso hates Lewis Hamilton. They once drove together for McLaren. Uh, Fernando Alonso was in second and third for a lot of the race. He actually qualified second. There's a moment where he pits and Lewis Hamilton pits and he's like, where did Lewis come out behind Esteban, and he goes, you know what to do, slow him down. Like, he, he loves to race hard against Lewis Hamilton. Um, Fernando Alonso himself, he refused to take a pit stop during two different virtual safety car opportunities. I think that put him ahead, but his tires were not where they needed to be. By lap 29, George Russell was behind him, gaining ground quickly. He finally had to pit. Ultimately, he finished, finished seventh. I don't think it's a great day for him, but I love Fernando Alonso. I, I think that, man... He's a tough, competitive, 
old school driver. I respect his team, Alpine. They've come a long way. They're arguably now the fourth best team right now in F1 ahead of McLaren. Um, so here are the team or constructor standings after Canada. First, you have Red Bull. Uh, they got 304 points. And second, you got Ferrari with 228 points. Then third is Mercedes with 188 points. Fourth is McLaren right now with 65 points, pushing them as Alpine in fifth with 57 points. And then in sixth is Alfa Romeo with 51 points. Here are the driver standings. In first, you got Max Verstappen with 175 points. In second is the other Red Bull driver, Sergio Perez, with 129 points. In third is Charles Leclerc with 126 points. Fourth is George Russell with 111 points. Fifth is Carlos Sainz with 105, 102 points, excuse me. And sixth is Lewis Hamilton with 100, no, with no, sorry. Sixth is Lewis Hamilton with 77 points. I'm, I got to drink water. I'm like choking really bad. The next race is on July 3rd at Silverstone. I'm excited. should be fun and a good way to enjoy the 4th of July. Guys, I love you. I appreciate you. That's all I have. Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, I feel like I'm in a sauna. This is episode 489 from the sauna. Probably good for me. I'm, I'm getting my sweats in. I'm sweating and losing weight probably as we talk. My arms are sweaty. My face is probably sweaty. I did the best I could. Um, if it looks horrible, I won't post it, I guess. But I think it sounds good. Uh, and I'm in a truck. It's a mess. I'm doing my best. I, I think it's fine. I think I'm going to post this. But we'll find out when I look at it in the editing room. I love you. I appreciate you. Have a great day. And uh, ba-dum-bum. Bam, we are done.